That is a blessing. Thank you for that. Take your Bible, please, and go back to the book of Luke, chapter 10. Look at verse 38, as we read a moment ago. And I want to speak tonight on Christmas in the Christian home. Christmas in the Christian home. Uh, the book of Luke, chapter 10, verse 38, the Bible says, Now it came to pass, as they went, that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Look at verse 39. The Bible says, And she had a sister called Mary, which sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving, and he, watch it, and came to him, and came to him. Now she's cumbered about with much serving, and came to him, and said, Lord, does this thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she should help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, uh, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but this one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, uh, which shall not be taken away from her. Take your Bible and go, if you will, also to the book of John chapter 11. The book of John chapter 11 and verse 1. I believe that this is after the time of the meeting there uh, in uh, Martha's house, uh, Mary's house there. Uh, you'll see that as they uh, have met together there, and of course you have one that's serving, one that is right there at the feet of Jesus. I believe this takes care, uh, takes place at a later time. John chapter 11 and verse 1. The Bible says, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus in Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. The Bible says, and it was that uh, Martha that anointed the uh, Lord with oil, okay, and so anointed, if you would please, with ointment, and, and washed his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. The Bible says in verse 3, therefore uh, his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, uh, he whom thou lovest is sick. Now I want you to see something right there. And so here's the beginning of a relationship where he enters into the household of two sisters. No doubt he got to know this family so much the so that the Bible talks about the brother Lazarus then the Bible even gives this the Bible says in verse 3 again it says and his sisters uh, sent unto him saying Lord behold he says uh, he whom thou lovest is sick. You, you see the relationship building there? Uh, it's just not, I'm going to invite you over for supper, but now it's turned into more than just a friendship type of relationship. It is certainly a relationship that goes deeper than that, and it's now the one whom the Lord loveth. The Bible says, listen to it in verse 4, the Bible says, and Jesus heard that uh, he said, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified. The Bible says in verse 5, and Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so it stressed about that love that he had for them that had grown deeper. All right. And so as I speak tonight, let's speak about this thing about Christmas but let's talk about Christmas in the Christian home. Uh, Christmas in the Christian home. Let me give you some statements. Statement number one, uh, Christmas in the Christian home receives Jesus, receives Jesus. Now, now I, I, you say, well, you're talking about salvation. No, not in this particular case. Because if you look, if you will, uh, there in the book of John chapter 11, as we started off in the book of Luke chapter 10, you see a relationship that is going deeper. 
Uh, and so uh, at first he comes into the home uh, here, uh, the home of Martha. Here you have Mary uh, that has chosen the good part. Martha's busy inside of the kitchen. Uh, she's cumbered about. She is weighed down with the responsibilities of caring for the serving of the Lord. But the Bible says that Mary had chosen that good part. All right. So she's getting to know the Lord. It's one thing to receive him in. It's another thing to know him. Here you'll see in the book of John chapter 11 that there's the getting to uh, love each other. So that relationship goes deeper. Now you can be able to build a relationship deeper the longer you spend time with someone. Uh, the good thing about a church that's a serving church is that people serve together. Uh, one of the uh, fallacies of being in a church that's a serving church you get to see everybody's strengths. You also get to see everybody's weaknesses. Example, tonight we're going to move the nursery. Somebody's going to go down there and think that they got muscles and try and pick something up and they can't lift it. All right, what is that? You get to see somebody's weakness. All right, uh, you'll get to see in a church that's a growing church, people that have maybe organizational skills. You'll get to see inside of a church uh, people that uh, are able to sing and carry a note. Uh, you get to see in a growing church, in a church that's a church family, that's a growing church, as we have uh, different types of uh, uh, activities. You get to see uh, who has uh, great servants' hearts and are always trying to say, well, let me help you with that. Let's, uh, let me try and uh, do this there. Uh, you'll get to see people in a, in a church that in some cases they don't feel well that night so they're not going to have that servant's heart and that they might just need to be served for a while. Uh, you, you get to see inside of a, a, a soul winning church, yes a church just like ours, you'll get to see people that are funny. They tell jokes or they act funny. Uh, you know and uh, they cause people to have a lighter spirit. Uh, then you'll see people in the church is very serious. They have the serious look about their face all the time. And every time you see them, they look like they're thinking, you know, and they're very serious in the way that they look. Uh, you'll see people in our church. I'm talking about our church. I'm talking about Parkside Baptist Church. When it comes handshaking time, you see them, man, they're just going like a house of fire. They're going around shaking everybody's hand. They're uh, making people feel welcome and stuff. But then you're going to see people from time the time that they don't move I mean they just kind of stay in their spot and people come around and shake their hand and by the way uh, some people figure out what we call the honey spot the honey spots back there in the middle if you will where you don't have to move too much you just kind of stand there in the aisle and as it's being flooded you just stand there and shake hands with everybody that comes by all right uh, but you're, you're gonna see all sorts of different types of people in the church these two are sisters uh, one is cumbered about, one is in the, in the, in the, in the kitchen area, uh, just giving it everything she's got. Uh, by the way, that's the way she's showing love to others. That's the way she's trying to help. That's the way that she's trying to uh, do that which is uh, in her ability to do. But then you see her sister. Her sister now is just sitting there. You notice the one that's working the hardest is passing judgment on the one seemingly that's not working as hard. And by the way, that's normal. You find that more than you can believe where somebody they're running around and they're putting up a table and they're taking out the trash and they're sweeping the floor and they look over and they see people fellowshipping on the bleachers and they say, what is their problem? Why are they not helping? Why am I out here doing it all? 
Uh, but you have different types of people in the church. Here you'll see inside this house, even though they're sisters, there are different types of people inside of the house. I'm going somewhere with this. You'll notice now in the book of John chapter 10 that Jesus loves them all. He loves the one that's working in the kitchen, and he loves the one that's sitting at his feet. He loves the one that is sick, and he loves the one that's healthy. Uh, Jesus is not that one, if you will please, that plays favoritism. Now, he did say uh, about Mary, he said about Mary, now she has chosen the good part. You know why? Because she is trying to get to know him. I say this, I say that you ought to be busy serving God, but you ought not to be so busy serving God that you lose who he is. You make sure that you keep your relationship good with him. Make sure that you know who he is. Uh, Patrick Henry was a very wealthy man. He died on his farm. And matter of fact, his tombstone is on his farm. When it came to the reading of the will at Patrick Henry's uh, family time coming together, as they read his will, he said this. He says, there is one thing I wish that I could leave you all. And that is salvation of Jesus Christ. With this, uh, though you have nothing else, you can be happy. Without this, though you have all things, you will never be happy. Now, may I say that he plugged it in real good. What is that he's talking about? He's talking about being saved, but he's talking also about relationship. Now, may I say a person can be saved and not enjoy relationship. Uh, you can be a relative and not enjoy relationship. You can work at somebody's business and not enjoy relationship. So here we see that Christmas uh, in the Christian home is receiving Christ. And by the way, it's not talking about receiving him as Savior. It's talking about relationship. Statement number two, uh, Christmas in the Christian home uh, puts the Lord in the chief place. Puts the Lord uh, in the chief place. Place. Uh, notice this in verse 39, if you will, the Bible talks about, as we read over in chapter 10 of the book of Luke, you'll see in verse 39 that Martha, the Bible says, uh, had a sister called Mary, and the Bible says that she sat at Jesus' feet. By the way, when life gets stressful, you ought to uh, take a breather a little bit and get close to the Lord. Sometimes we get so busy doing all that we lose that precious relationship that we ought to have with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that uh, she sat at his feet. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18, the Bible says he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn. Uh, from the dead it says in listen to it now in all things he might have preeminence so he should have preeminence in everything that we do he ought to be the one that we please first now by the way people have different definitions of the way they please the Lord I can tell you the way to get the ringer every single time and that is this make sure that you're willing to do whatever God wants you to do Whatever God wants you to do. Now, by the way, what God want, might want you to do might be different than what God wants somebody else to do. Uh, the Bible says some comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. So don't compare yourself. Well, I tell you what, I need to do all things. Well, first off, in a growing church, you're not going to be able to do all things. So that means you're probably going to have to make some choices. You can't be everywhere at one time. 
You know, some people love the bus ministry, and I've asked people from time to time, uh, what would happen if all of a sudden we had to stop running your bus route? And most of the time, here's what they say, we would die. We, we live to be able to help people in the bus ministry. That's our hearts. Now, can I say, uh, some people feel that way about the choir. Some people feel that way about working in the nursery. Some people feel that way about uh, helping out in various ministries of different sorts around the church or through the church ministries. Now, can I say this, that uh, the Bible teaches that as we do those things for God, keep him in the chief place. Let him be able to have preeminence in your life as you serve God. You'll do a whole lot better serving God with him than you will without him. Yet it was said about, uh, uh, there was a, an early uh, Christian uh, that was converted uh, many years ago, and he started to walk out. He lived there in Africa, an uh, African young man, and he walked out this pathway every single day, and he kept walking out, and he had a special place, a special place. And you find out that people that walk with God normally have a special place that they go to walk with God. Often, more than not, you'll find that out in a Christian's life. And so it was among these young men and he got saved and so he started walking this path and he would go out there every single day and he would pray it was a sacred place it was his holy place it was a place where he met with God it was the time when he if you would please would almost be and I'm not being disrespectful but like a time when he would go on a date with his God he would meet there, be specific. It would be a, a wonderful time. And so every time he'd uh, get out early in the morning, he'd walk to the place, and it was the sacred place where he met with God. Somebody else got saved in that same village, and they uh, went that away. And so uh, and then somebody else got saved, and they went that away. Before you know it, all these different men and uh, whatnot got saved, and they had their different paths. One day, all of a sudden, uh, some things changed inside of the village. And one of the men inside of the village said this. He said, I, I noticed that the, the spot where you used to walk is not as worn as what it used to be. He said this, it seems like that grass has grown up in your path. Now, can I tell you, when you start allowing grass to grow up in your path, well, you're not walking with God the way that you should. And we know when that is. We know that. You can get so busy in doing things, just things. You ever do this? You ever get up in the morning and not walk with God? Before you know it, comes noon. And before you know it, comes supper time. You've not spoken to him. You've not read the Bible. You've not walked with God the whole time. And uh, can I tell you, before you know it, comes the nighttime, and you've gone a whole day without talking to your creator God. You've gone a whole day without talking to the Almighty One. Then uh, you keep doing that, and you keep doing that, and you keep doing that. Now you wonder why you and your spouse keeps getting uh, or having head-ons. You teenagers owe it to your parents to walk with God. I'm all about teenagers. I'm worried about some of our teenagers that come to church and you don't even bring your Bible. You ought to bring your Bible. Why? Because church is a place where you learn your Bible. Uh, you ought to open your Bible when the preacher is preaching, when the preacher is teaching. Why? To show your interest in what God has to say. This is a love letter written from God to you. 
It's important that you see that what God has to say, I'm saying this, I'm saying that Christmas uh, in the Christian home puts the Lord in the chief place. Statement number next, Christmas in the Christian home uh, uh, listens to that which is uh, every word, every word. I'm talking about every word that he speaks, every word. <laughs> when I was coming up, I never will forget, I was on the farm and my dear grandmother, she had this special chair. She liked her chair. I was just a little bitty boy. 180-acre farm, Millers, Maryland. It was a, a two-story home, and, uh, and it had a, a wood stove, and she would put wood inside of the stove, and, and you know, she'd lift up the eyes. You know what I'm talking about. She'd lift them up, and uh, she'd put wood inside of there, and that's where they cooked. That was, the, that was their stove. But it also was the heater for the primary floor. And so, uh, and uh, we didn't have any heat upstairs whatsoever. All we had in the wintertime was those big old uh, blankets. I mean, just uh, uh, big old quilts, if you would. And I remember uh, they'd throw a quilt on me, and they'd throw so many quilts on me, they didn't want me to get cold. They'd throw so many quilts on me, I couldn't move. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that distinctively. Now, but I remember uh, sitting there, and Myrtle Wagner was her name. We called her Ma affectionately, and, and she would sit there, and she had a rocking chair. Then there was the long sofa, and the television was over there, and there was a glass hutch that was over there that had all of her favorite dishes in it and whatnot. And the television sat on a long table. It was filled with all sorts of decorative things. But I remember laying on that couch, and Myrtle, Mrs. Wagner, Ma, as I affectionately called her, she would rub my little head. And boy, she just rubbed that head and she just, she'd sing to me. You say, what'd she sing? I don't have a clue. Could she sing? I don't know. I just liked her rubbing my head. And then sometimes she'd open her Bible. And this is where I was saved. I didn't get saved until I was 18. But she would open a Bible there and I didn't know it was a Bible. She'd just read and she'd read out loud. I hadn't a clue to what it was. But no doubt that planted a lot of seed inside of a young boy's heart. Now may I say this, may I say that Christmas uh, uh, in the Christian home uh, ought to be a time when you listen to his every word. Verse 39, verse 39, you'll see here the Bible says that Mary sat at his feet and heard his word. I would listen to her. I like to hear her voice. I, I like the pitch of her voice. It was uh, soothing, it was comforting to hear the pitch of her voice. Now, may I say, uh, those childhood memories has lasted me all the days of my life. I'm almost 60, and I can remember those childhood memories because somebody was involving me in their life. Can I say this? Look, that uh, we ought to uh, listen to every word. He has a special time. Now, I'm not just talking about his word uh, this evening, but uh, listen to the words of your mother. Listen to the words of your daddy. Listen to the words of your brothers and sisters during Christmas time. Find out what makes them tick. Find out why they tick the way they tick. Uh, don't tick them off. Find out how they tick. I'm saying, uh, listen to their words. Uh, find out some things about them. Listen to them as they speak and listen to their hearts, but then direct them all the time back to his word and allow him to be able to work in their hearts and be able to change their lives. You know, uh, George Mueller said this, after reading the Bible hundreds of times, 
I have increased my delight in him. He says, I looked upon a day when I've not met with him as a day that's totally lost. My friends have said to me, uh, don't you have so much to do? Why would you sit around and just uh, study the scripture? Why would you do that? Don't you have so much to do? To which Mueller replied, he said, I have so much to do, I have to sit around first to get God's mind and God's power. I never break that rule. Wouldn't that be good? That entering into the new year, that you and I would learn to listen to his word. Oh, it used to irritate me when I was just young. I was a, I was a new believer, and it would irritate me when I would go to church. And I, 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 wanted, I wanted to grow. We've got young people in this room right now, and older people too, that you just want to grow. And, 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 and people have told me, boy, it irritates me, preacher, when somebody's preaching or teaching the Bible, and you look around, and there's a teenager, there's a child, or there's an adult, and they're sleeping. You know, or they're not paying good attention. Or they're playing, you know, tiddlywinks. Or they're writing something. Or they're on their phone or something like that. You know, can I say this? Listen, you, you ought to have a strong desire to listen to what God has to say. God is the God of the universe. If it was not for him, nothing would ever be. He created all that was, all that is, and everything that ever will be. And because of that, we ought to give utmost attention to the almighty God. Here's what we see. I said statement number one, Christmas uh, in the Christian home receives Jesus. Christmas in the Christian home uh, puts the Lord in his chief place. Christmas in the Christian home listens to his every word. Statement number next, Christians, uh, or Christmas in the Christian home welcomes others. Welcomes others. Here's what it teaches in verse 38. The Bible says, and it came to pass as they went, he entered in. And so what was happening? Uh, welcoming others. Welcome. Somebody said this the other day. I don't want to be friendly, pe friendly to people that are not friendly to me. You have an abstract idea of what friendship is. Friendship is you're supposed to be friendly to them whether they're friendly to you or not. It was a British publication that offered a grand prize for the person that would give the best definition of what a true friend was. Thousands of answers came in, and the one that won the award was this. A friend is one who walks in when the world walks out. A friend is, a, a, a friend is somebody that walks in when the world walks out. A friend is somebody that's there for you. They're there for you in your high times, and they're there for you at your low times. You say, well, I don't have such a friend. Then uh, let me suggest something to you, and I know this to be true. You can't expect somebody to come to you and say, Brother Bachman, would you help me, please? You can't expect somebody to come to you and say, look, I appreciate you. I want to be your friend. That's not really how it works in a real world. You can't expect to be walking along and all of a sudden somebody just follows you and you turn around, you look at him and he's right there. <laughs> he can't get too close because he doesn't have a belly and I do. <laughs> <laughs> but now wait a minute, but you can't expect somebody like that and all of a sudden you look at him and he says, I'm just here for you because I want to be your friend. That, that's, that, you need a reality check. That is not the way it works in the real world. Right. 
Let me tell you how it does work in the real world. You go up to somebody and say, hey, look, uh, God's blessed me this week, and uh, I, I've got this little gift card, and I, I like to would take you out to eat. Now it's not much. We could go over here to say Subway, and and uh, I, I'll buy you a sub sandwich. I'll get a sub sandwich. I just want to get to know you. That's how it works. That's how it works. You you can't expect people to follow you around. You can't. It doesn't work that way. You have to enter into people's lives. Here, here's how you enter in somebody's life. You write them a note and say, "Won't you know I've been praying for you today. That's how you enter into somebody's life. You can't, ex you say, well, uh, I don't have friends because after all, nobody likes me. Well, of course, you don't even like yourself. <laughs> a lot of people don't have friends because they don't think, well, I just don't deserve friends. You can live that way, my dear friend, all the days of your life, and you never will have a friend. But you can decide, okay, I like that person right there to be my friend. And so uh, you, you, now by the way, by the way, by the way, uh, you, you uh, have friends that are good for you. Don't have friends that's going to lead you down the wrong path. Well, I, I want him to be my friend. I want her to be my friend because they look good. Looks are deceiving and looks change. I know people used to have a full uh, head of hair. You ought to see him when he was a teenager. He had hair. You hit about 19 and all of a sudden it started to disappear. Wasn't it about 19? 16. All right, now what am I saying? I'm saying this, you, you can't go, you'll never meet a greater gentleman than this gentleman. Caring about people, loving people, encouraging people. You, you, well, you know, you girls, I'm wanting somebody that is that's tall and masculine and uh, they've got the brains of, uh, uh, of uh, uh, somebody that is just absolutely marvelous. And you've been watching TV too long. Those people even have to study a script before they can produce it. Thank you, be seated. I'm saying this. I'm saying, look, you know, uh, uh, Christmas time, you, you welcome people. I want our church always to be a welcoming church. Amen. Go up to people and shake their hands and say, good to see you. God bless you. I'm glad you're here. Uh, don't, don't stop, stop being so. You say, well, you know, I'll tell you what, I just don't like them because after all, they smell. <laughs> yeah, and they think you wear too much cologne. Come on. Why don't we be people that's just friends? You know what I found out about getting to know preachers? Here's what I find out about getting to know preachers. If I, if I know a preacher, I want to get to know him. Here's what I'll do. I'll go up and after he preaches, I'll shake his hand. I'll say, that was a very good message. God bless you, sir. That was wonderful. I'll call him up on the phone and I'll say, hey, I'd like to come hear you preach again. Where are you preaching at? I will enter into their life. I learned from my grandfather years ago. Uh, I, I said, Granddaddy, I'd like to get to talk with you. He said, come on. I said, where are you going? He said, the garden. I said, can't we sit and talk? He said, I don't sit and talk. He said, I work and talk. You want to get to go? You want to get to know me? Get yourself a hoe. You know where I got to know my granddaddy? In the garden. We pulled weeds together. 
we cleaned out briar patches together. You know, I think sometimes, I'm just being honest, but I think sometimes people are lazy and we are pampered and we want everything. And if somebody doesn't come our way and pamper us, then we say, well, I'll tell you what, you know, I just, I, I'm just not going to be their friend. Well, why don't you get out there in the mud and work with them? So I, I like to get to know someone. Well, spend time with them. Go make a visit with them. Hello? You'll be amazed if you'll spend time with people and helping people. You'll be amazed at how God will use that in your life. Statement number next, and I'm done. And that is this, that, that Christmas in the Christian home should bring people closer to the Lord. Bring people closer to the Lord. The Bible says in Luke 10 and verse 40 that Martha was cumbered about and she was with much serving. And all of a sudden she looked over and saw her sister there and says to the Lord, you know, you know, my sister has left me alone to serve and, and bid her therefore to come and help me. You know, uh, the Bible says that she had chosen that which is the good part. There's a little boy, he's five years of age, he had cancer. The nurse was his care nurse. Her name was Gracie. Gracie cared for, for uh, the little boy all the way up until he took his last breath. He had lung cancer. True story. I cared for him all the way up until he took his last breath, five years of age. The boy's mama was a Christian. And the, uh, the, the boy, you know, had, uh, even in his little childhood understanding, had uh, professed that he had received Jesus as his Savior. And so Mama said, one day, honey, you're going to hear the bells ring. You're going to hear the bells ring. Now he's getting ready to take his last breath. Gracie, his nurse, has faithfully stood by him all the time he's had cancer. And all of a sudden, he looked up with a smile on his face towards his mother and said, Mama, I hear the bells. Gracie, the nurse, looked over and tried to comfort the mom and said to the mom, he's just, uh, she's, uh, he's just hallucinating. And the mother said, oh, no, he's not hallucinating. Because, you see, I told him that one day uh, when it comes time to go and meet Jesus, you'll, you'll hear the bells. And maybe just God did something special for him because he needed it. And so as he's taken his last breath, he takes his last breath with a smile, and he utters one more time with his last little breath, I hear those bells. Now, can I say this, that uh, in the Christian home, doing that which is Christmas time, we need to be closer to the Lord. And as we're closer to the Lord, there was a book put out years ago, you ought to get it. It's called The Testimonies of the saints and the lost it's an amazing book many years ago they said this that when a person was dying they did not give them all these drugs now you, you get all these drugs and people say I see the light and all this stuff but a lot of that has to do with the drugs and stuff like that but back in the day when people were dying they didn't have all these drugs I had a friend of mine that was up in North Carolina and I never will forget the story uh, he said that there was a man in his church, he was a lost man, and he, he was a man's type of man, and he never liked medicine for anything, and he was a lost man. Never will forget the story. He told it at youth camp one year. He said it came time for that man to die. He didn't want no medicine. 
He said, I, I lived as a man, I'll die as a man. He said, I don't want any medicine. He's a lost man. He said he, he never will forget. One day he went into the hospital and he said to the, uh, the people that was there, I'm, I'm having a heart attack and uh, please get me help. I'm having a heart attack. And they said, you're not having a heart attack. They did some tests on him, preliminary tests. They said, you're not having a heart attack. Go home. He said, I'm fixing to have a heart attack. Don't send me home. I'm scared. Don't send me home. And they said, you're not having a heart attack, sir. Go home. And right then and there, he dropped to the floor with a heart attack. They resuscitated him and uh, brought him back. They put the, uh, they, 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 they put the jumpers on him, what they're called. The pads, thank you. They put the pads on him. They brought him back. When they brought him back, he said, no, he shouted. I mean, just agonizing fear filled his face. And he shouted, please don't let me go back there. Please don't let me go back there. I don't want to go back there. And he grabbed the doctor's arm with all the masculinity that he had left in that which is his fragile fingers. And he said, please don't let me go back there. And all of a sudden, he had a heart attack again. They used the pads on him again. They brought him back. One last time he set up. He said, I don't want to go back there. He said, it's hot. He said, I don't want to go to hell. And he dropped dead. Boy, hell's a real place. I've sat beside in my day, even here. The first I, I, I pastored in Tennessee four years. The first year in Tennessee as pastor... I buried 11 church members, 11 church members that died. Most of them were older people, and I buried them. They died. I sat beside them in many hospitals, and I held their hands, sang a little song to them. I prayed with them, and they died. I watched those dear saints of God, and they died happy. They died happy. I remember running beside someone that had been gunshot there in Tennessee, and I went to the hospital. He's an unsaved man. And I was in the room when he died. He's not happy. I think sometimes here's what we do. We're so used to being comforted. We're so used to being Spoiled. We're just so used to being, if you will please, having it our way, and we treat our God that way. It's a Burger King religion. Have it your way. But God doesn't want us to be that way. I've often said that God does not want us to bring Him down to our living. God wants us to take our living up to Him. I even see churches all over America that's doing the same thing. May I say this as kindly as I possibly can? We ought to look at Christmas as a time to get to know Him and to help others get to know Him. I don't know how many more years you'll live. I don't know how many more years I will live, but I will tell you this, that we ought to give God our very best in the way that we serve Him. And we ought to get to know Him like no man's business. Because in the end, that's going to be the only thing that really matters is how we please Him.